Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Welcome to Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast. We're back for another season and with only a day to go until the start of the new season, where better to start than with a juicy season preview? Before I introduce today's guest, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who listened last season and of course, special thanks to anyone who became a Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash football in Denmark. This season is going to be a little bit different owing to various work and family commitments. The show is going to be a little bit less regular, coming to you on a monthly basis rather than a weekly basis. But with that, hopefully comes the opportunity to delve a bit deeper into the stories and the action. So without further ado, let's get into previewing the 2023-24 Superliga season. And who better to do it with than the king of XG, Bromby fan, Kasper Pedersback. Welcome to the show, Kasper. Great to have you back. Thank you, and thank you also for the great uh, pronunciation of my name, last name. Yeah, <laughs> you managed to uh, to put it out that well. I do my best. Today's show was supposed to involve Casper Delind as well, but technical issues have got in the way of his appearance. So you're going to get me and Casper P today, and we're going to break down the comings and goings over the summer and what we expect from each of the twelve teams in the Superliga. I thought we'd go through it by order of Uh, how the teams finished last season. So let's start with the champions, FC Copenhagen. And I think what's most notable to me over the summer is the number of outgoings that have happened. You know, um, Hakon Haraldsson went for 17 million euros, outstanding fee they managed to get from from Lille. But then Mohamed Darami finished alone. Zeka uh, moved back to Greece. Marco Stamanich left, Kalle Jonsson left. And the only player that's come in so far, I believe, is uh, Theo Sander, who arrived today for one million as a sort of backup goalkeeper. But it leaves FC Copenhagen with quite a lot of business to do. And the season is coming up in a day's time. How do you see FC Copenhagen faring, particularly in these kind of opening few months, Kasper? Well, I assume that uh, in, in mind that the quality of the squad is still, you know, deep. Uh, they have gotten rid of some of the well expected outgoings and also made this really impressive transfer of Hals and Trudil. Uh, I assume they will they will be stable, but also you know with a little maybe a little more what to say inconsistency in the performances uh, during the early games due to the European um, commitments. Yeah, uh, and they're obviously the only team from the Superliga this season going for a place in the Champions League, one that they made last season. They had a very tricky final playoff game against Trabzonspor and and ended up triumphing. But it's going to be very tough for them. I think a player who could turn fortunes for them is uh, Cornelius, who obviously missed most of last season with injury. Do you think he can stay fit this season? And do you see him recapturing some of his, uh, his previous form? If I knew that, uh, I would also play uh, the lottery on uh, Saturday because... It can be either, you know, one or the other, especially with him. But no doubt that if he's ready to play, he will be a force in the Super League if he returns to the level he performed that earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And quite how the that FC Copenhagen attack is going to take shape, I'm not sure. I have a feeling that there's going to be another attacker coming in. There's been rumours uh, of a, a bid for Elias Ashuri of, of Viborg. And uh, yeah, obviously with Cornelius coming back, maybe Rooney Bardaji playing uh, playing a bit more. I think that we're, we're not going to necessarily know how that attack takes shape yet. But an area of the pitch that they do look perhaps a bit short in is central midfield. Obviously, Rasmus Falk is not getting any younger. Uh, but Stamanich departed, Zeka departed. You know, there, there's constant rumours about Thomas Delaney. You know, that's not not one that I'm expecting this summer. But they do look a bit short in that area of the park. Is that, is that the area that you would be thinking that they, they're going to really look to reinforce in the transfer market? Yeah, I would be very uh, surprised if within the next, let's say, seven days-ish, at the end of next week, uh, if they haven't got a transfer in for that position. Uh, because, they, yeah, they do look a little bit thin. Uh, with only like uh, Felt, Klim and Lea yeah, as the as the more experienced guys and then this young guy, uh, Hopo, uh, as the young upcoming guy. The other thing about FC Copenhagen last season is uh, 
they they conceded far more goals than they did the season before. They, I think it was 35 goals they let in last season, which, you know, they won won the league in the end, but by four points. And, and that didn't look a disgraceful tally in terms of goals against. But the season before, I think they conceded, you know, a fraction of that number. Uh, Koshlava seems to have quite a, a long-term injury. Um, and so a, a lot hinges on finding balance in that defence as well. Do you see that being uh, an area of concern for the season coming up? No, uh, not at the current uh, time. Uh, they still have uh, Mauro, they have Kevin Dix, who can, uh, so uh, the last season uh, showed us, uh, vacate uh, the space in the, in the central defense. Uh, they have uh, Valdemar Lund. Uh, yeah, Kuchelav out with the injury, but they still have uh, Boylison uh, probably coming back from injury. So I think they are pretty well stuffed right now at the central defense. Um if you look, you know, like uh, six months ahead, uh, yeah, yeah, Boylison's a guy I'd almost forgotten about. I heard his name mentioned a week or so ago, and yeah, it, it reminded me I haven't seen him play in a long time. Talk to me a little bit about Deo Sander as well. That was a, a transfer that I, I saw he was rumored to be going to Inter and a, a number of big clubs um, abroad, and it turns out he's moved within the Superliga. I think there's no expectation that he's going to be a starter in the immediate term, but do you see him coming in when Grabara is sold, or do you think that it's uh, it's going to be a longer time before we see him as the, the number one at FC Co? It's a long-term uh, transfer. He's uh, He's going to be the... Number two choice for the goal uh, for the next couple of seasons. I would be very surprised if uh, if Copenhagen would put this young guy in already now. He's uh, 18. He's been playing in, what, 14 games for OB. He was uh, put on the bench for OB last season. Um, still, you know, talented, but not ready. And especially not uh, with a club of the size and caliber of uh, FC Copenhagen. And if you had to put your cards on the table, what's your prediction for FC Copenhagen in this coming year? Um, will they finish as champions and will they make it through to the, the Champions League group stage? Uh, I'm a little bit doubtful about reaching the Champions League group stage. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of uh, small margins uh, in, in, the, yeah, in the single games, in the qualification games. Um, but in the season, in the long term, uh, I... I'm still expecting them to in the Danish league to be up there in the top. Uh, you know, I'd say instead of you know like putting them on one spot, I'd say you know in the range of uh, no, one or uh, one or, or two in the league. Got it. Yeah, for me they are next season's champions again, and I think it would be the, the first time in quite a while that a team has won three championships in a row. But I just can't see any other team getting close to them in terms of depth. I think when you put everyone's strongest first eleven out. The gap isn't as wide as it, it has been in previous years, perhaps. But I just think the depth, you know, some of the players you mentioned as well, guys like Boylison, Kevin Dix, you know, th- th- these are, these aren't necessarily starting players at the moment, and yet they've got really exceptional quality. So, yeah, for, for me, they're for me they're still going to be top. But I agree with you. The Champions League is it, it all comes down to who you get in that final playoff round because there's some some pretty serious teams there. Looking into last season's second place, FC Norgeland. And this feels like a team that is kind of in transition, I think. You, you know, last season, obviously, they lost Andreas Sheldrup, uh, had a managerial change halfway through the season. And this summer, uh, Mads Bidstrup has has gone, Christiansen has gone, and in have come a couple of interesting players in Marcus Ingvetsen, who that's a signing that has just really surprised me. You know, a guy who scored 10 goals in the Bundesliga last season, 27 years of age. That's not the kind of profile you normally see coming to a, a Superliga team. And also Jeppe Tsvetkov from uh, from Obi. That was a, a signing a bit out of the blue. Um, they obviously had quite a poor finish to last season, really tailed off in that in that championship round. How do you see... Norgeland fairing this season and do you think those those names coming in balance uh, balance the players who've left well what Norgeland has done uh, this uh, off season is they have been adding uh, experience uh, to a young squad uh, they put in uh, Ingvartsen coming home from uh, yeah from Germany uh, being 27 years old uh, just uh, hit 10 goals in the Bundesliga last season They've put in uh, Jeppe Tversko, uh, the recent club captain for OB. He's been playing regular uh, for them for the past couple of seasons. 
Uh, and yeah, so basically they put in a routine on this uh, young squad, uh, adding to a group of uh, experienced players like, you know, Kian Hansen, um, Erik Marksen, uh, and then they needed, you know, uh, some older guys, and they've got that in uh, in those two guys uh, reaching the squad. So, now, you know, basically they now have, like, you, if you say Kian Hansen in defense, they have uh, Tversko in midfield and Ingvarsen up front as, you know, the experienced guys, and then added on with these young uh, attacking guys uh, in yeah around them. Agreed, yeah. And I, I think what was so remarkable about what FC Neuschland did last season was they went through the whole season without really a top-class number nine. You know, their goals were coming from Sheldrup, from Nuama, guys playing out wide. And I think this season to have a proper number nine is potentially going to be a game-changer for them. Yeah, and, and you have to keep one thing in mind uh, about Neuschland. Uh, they have, for several seasons, uh, been good at offering the best working opportunities to the number nines at the teams, uh, different teams, you know, during the years. Uh, if you look at it, they are a solid uh, group of players uh, creating XG. Um, so basically, if you're the number nine at Norseland, if you know the routines, if you know you know the 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 schemes they play with, um, you can get to a lot of XG during the season. If you and if you are a, a, you know like a decent uh, finisher, you you can convert the XG to goals. So I assume that uh, Ingvarsen will hit a solid average of XG per ninety, and I also assume that he will convert them as well um, because in Ocean, they are, yeah. Well, it's a good, uh, it's a good team creating, uh, setting up chances, and now they have a guy to convert them. I wonder if they use that as part of the argument to persuade him to come. <laughs> that they're a team that do create so much for that position. Yeah, but but you can see Ingvarsson. He, I think, uh, just from from top of my mind, um, that he has never uh, generated an average uh, so high uh, per ninety for the XG as he did in uh, Norseland back when he was a uh, top scorer in, uh, in the league, uh, like, you know, what, five years, six years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. So so I, I I think it's a good transfer. I think Norseland has done uh, a solid uh, piece of business, adding uh, those pieces to the squad. Uh, and also, you know, like they have tried to replace what they lose. And in that in mind, you know, and also in mind that, you know, Mass Pistop, he has been sold uh, to a Red Bull club for like 70 millions. It also shows you that, you know, it's a kind of quality that you can replace one, you know, one-to-one. So you have to, to do it in another way. And I think that Northland has done solid business, but it also, you know, it can be shaky. Uh, it's still a, a young group of players. Uh, so so it, I'm, I'm curious to see how good a start at the season they get. Um, you know, are they down uh, like, you know, the end of last season? Or can they start from a fresh and, you know, be riding a high? Yeah, and uh, I think balancing European fixtures uh, is, is going to be a challenge for this squad. And I, I think ultimately that's going to that's gonna decide where they finish because they can't afford too much rotation. They have got some options like uh, Zidane Sertemir, for example, who arrived in January. There was some problem with his registration, so he couldn't play, but he looks fit and raring to play and he's going to be uh, an important addition to their squad, I think. But playing in the Conference League, you do play a number of, uh, I think it's four qualifying games before you even get to the group stages. So they do have a lot of football ahead of them. And yeah, I've, I've got them finishing third next season. I think that they, they've got a really strong squad still, but I think that that needs to rotate. And as soon as you have to rotate Ingvartsen, for example, who is there to, to, to come in? You, you know, I I don't think Nygren is is anywhere near the same level, for example. No, and not, not a pure number nine as well. Um, I I think uh, in the... In the, in the spots around the third uh, or fourth, maybe uh, can be Northland. But Northland, it's it's a funny, uh, funny size of club because you know if they get get things going, they can have this good run. Um, and you know, right as I said for, before, ride a high. Um, but I think it, I I don't see them as the number one uh, challenger for the for the for the league title uh, to FC Copenhagen. Got it. Yeah, I'm I'm of a similar opinion. 
a lot of it hinges on, as you said, uh, Ingvartsen and whether he can hit the ground running and recapture that that yeah, previous form he had. Keep in mind that they still got uh, well, at least at, at this time uh, when we're recording, they still got Nuama, uh, mm-hmm. and they have you know replaced the midfielders. Midfielders uh, they lost uh, Tversko and Satemir, uh, who didn't play in the spring because of uh, registration issues. Uh, they have kind of replaced uh, Jakob Christensen and Mass Pistop leaving the club. So they have done good business and also added a number nine. I think it looks uh, interesting for Norsland. Great. Um, in third place last season was AGF. Uh, and it really felt like there was some upward trajectory from them since winter. Uh, what are you expecting from, from AGF this season? I think AGF has done, uh, uh, on paper, a really good piece of business adding uh, players to the squad uh, leaving out secondary pieces if you look at the players that have uh, that has uh, left the club and none of the players yeah who, who has that were like you know first team players regular players they have uh, so obviously they have sold Pisek, you know but uh, to a large amount of money but instead they have the added p- good pieces they have added to be a spec he played in Vipo earlier was in the German uh, football uh, they have uh, got uh, Felix Baimo on a uh, on a contract. Uh, they got a, got him on loan last season. They brought in Yanni Sera, a German uh, centre forward, who has a lot of similarities with Patrick Mortensen. He's also this this big guy, uh, target player. So I think they have added a, a lot of pieces to the squad, uh, com- complementary pieces, uh, fitting in with the squad, fitting in with the tactics. Um, so and and only losing Bisek, um, who obviously was a really good player. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't be sold to Inter. But also a player which isolated to him alone wasn't, you know, like the one sole reason for them uh, doing so well. So I I see AGF as uh, being in a uh, a great spot right now, um, and going into this season uh, where they can. Um, look up instead of down in uh, in terms of you know uh, reproducing or uh, doing better uh, than last season yeah agreed i i've got them finishing second next season uh, and i think that i think those additions you talked about are, are definitely exciting sarah came from the he came through at borussia dortmund before he went to bielefields and i think that yeah definite similarities like you said to Mortensen it seems like AGF have they've really struggled to find a striker to back up Mortensen in recent times you know they went through Jorgensen last season obviously had uh, Haugen they had Yeladuin and it feels like the latest attempt to try and solve that problem you also mentioned Jan Bissek's transfer to Inter and I I was uh, really impressed with the fee they got there I think it was around 7 million euros but I think that transfer is just an indication of the the pathway that young players have to big league clubs now from the Superliga. You know, there's no longer the need to 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 move to Belgium or Holland before you get one of those big moves. Yeah. Uh, those big teams are now shopping direct, and I think that that is very exciting in terms of the the sorts of names that can be attracted in the future. Yes, yeah, I agree, I agree. So yeah, I, I think AGF are going to have a real struggle getting into Europe this season uh, just because they've drawn Club Brugge in mm-hmm. the in the qualifiers and I think that even with the best will in the world that's a, a very difficult draw for them I think if they miss out on Europe it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing for their league form that uh, they've got quite a, a set formation they've got a first 11 that broadly picks itself and so yeah I, I, I'm excited to see what they can do and I think with that season under his belt Rossler has definitely steadied the ship got them moving in an upwards trajectory and everything is there for for the taking this season yeah you can put it this way that at, at that AGF the pathway forward is clear um, it's not like you know I'm sitting before the season uh, wondering oh how are they gonna do it how how are they gonna play uh, what's the way forward I'm you know it's pretty obviously what they want they have added pieces to this uh yeah way of doing things keeping the same coach uh, keeping the most of the key players so yeah uh, they are a good spot but you know in in all uh, things can always uh, implode out of nothing so it'll <laughs> be uh, interesting to see how they uh, kick off the season 
And th- this is the last season before they knock down the stadium, is that right? Uh, yeah, they're starting the rebuilding uh, or building the new stadium. I think, yeah, I think it's next year. Okay, interesting. So next up is Viborg, and you know they finished last season in fourth. I think no one expected them to to be up there at the start of the season. They really outperformed expectations, especially losing Christian Sorensen so early this summer. Clint Lehmans, who was quite a big part of what they did last season, he's left to return to the Netherlands. And Paulinho, a striker they brought in in January, who never really got going, he's gone off on loan, and they've replaced him with uh, Anasike Amenta from. Uh, Alborg, a, a really interesting player, not least because he's absolutely huge. I think he's six foot seven or something like that, uh, and he's looked pretty good in, in preseason. Banged in a couple of goals in a friendly the other week, and I don't know. I've just got a feeling that he could he could really be the the new J Roy Grot in uh, in Viborg. Yeah, um, it's not that I uh, that I disagree with you. Um, he's an interesting uh, player uh, being added to a team which has like um what can i say the non expected expectations to perform so they will give him time they don't uh, they believe him in him because you know vivo is a size of club when they bring in a player um it's not that you know other clubs doesn't believe in the players they they pick up but for vivo it's it's a more um important that you know the the incomings uh can can fit a spot they have to have patience with them uh, i also think that's why paulinho got a whole season uh with Vivo before leaving the club on loan um and also uh, menta is as you say he has some similarities with the jeroy uh, so he can be easily put in the squad without too much adapting and he will also get the time to it because they also have the other group of, of uh, offensive players uh, who can yeah play from the from the beginning and then you know put in Immensa a little by a little by a little uh, each game introducing him to the squad. Vibo is also if you look at the transfers in and out, it's very Vibo-ish right now. As you mentioned, Immensa is basically the only one the only ingoing transfer at the moment uh, they've added uh, a player from the, the under 19 uh, squad beside him and then they have sold uh, well losing Lehmanns on a free free, uh, free transfer and uh, and then they loaned out Paulinho and let Miguel Anderson's contract run out right now Vivo is waiting they're waiting if uh, some bigger clubs are coming to pick up some of the players I'm especially looking at uh, Lucas Lund and some guy, you know, the the right back as one of the the main pieces. Also, Achui up front. So I think Vivo they are waiting before because they are not going out buying a lot of players before they have sold what they got. Uh, so so right now I'm not surprised by the lack of activity, but I'm not expecting uh, in in general terms I'm not expecting Vivo to reproduce. Uh, the performance from last season out of nothing, uh, out of uh, the current situation. So I'd say uh, around the top six, but not uh, at the moment, not in the top four. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think I have them uh, fifth or sixth for, for, for next season. But those three players you mentioned, Lucas Lund, Anton Guy, Elias Ashuri, I think losing any of those would be uh, difficult to replace. They were so important last season. I think losing more than one of them could be disastrous in terms of uh, w- what it means for the team. And, uh, you know, Viborg have shown in the past that they can recruit very well. Uh, but I think those players are fundamental to what they're doing at the moment. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I saw Brumby had a, a bid for Lucas Lund rejected, but presumably they, they're going to come back around for him. Yeah. But it, it depends because uh, Vibor also, some newspaper stories is also about Vibor, you know, demanding uh, maybe too much from, yeah, but the players. Uh, also, maybe in mind that, you know, they know that Bonbu at the moment don't have a first team goalkeeper uh, beside the reserves. So, also trying to get the upper hand when they know that Bonbu uh, are a keeper down. Uh, asking for more money that they might, you know, a normal world would get for for Lucas Lund, who has, we have to keep that in mind. They only played, you know, one regular good season for Vivo last year, so it's it's also early to put a, a huge amount of money uh, for yeah, so young a player. 
That's true. I, I've just looked back on my uh, predictions. I actually have them. In, <laughs> actually, have them in fourth, which I don't think is impossible if they hang on to those players. But I think that that prediction might get revised downwards if they. Uh, it's, if... it's also for Vipo. They are they they are very uh, thin mm. uh, team in in the terms of the depth of the squad. Not many key players uh, are going to be injured before they they have a problem uh, replacing them at the same level. Uh, you know, last season, Jeppe Koenig played almost all the games. Uh, Ibrahim Said played a lot of games. Atsuri played a lot of games. Anton Guy played a lot of games. Uh, Bjørki and uh, Salitel played a lot of games. Lukas Lund played a lot of games. You know, they also got these small margins with them. And, you know, just losing one or two players for uh, a longer, long-term injury, it, it uh, showcasing that Vivo is a thin, uh, thin squad in terms of uh, the depth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this time last year they were playing the first of six European qualifying games, and obviously, having lost the the qualification playoff at the end of last season to, to FC Michelin, they're not going to be doing that this this mm-hmm. summer. So maybe it'll be a bit calmer and uh, a bit less rotation needed. But yeah, interesting nonetheless. The the next team based on. Uh, where they finished last season was Rombi, who finished in fifth. And this is obviously your team. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm guessing that you're going to have a, quite a strong opinion on this. In terms of incomings and, and outgoings, obviously, Mads Hermansen moving to Leicester. That was a, a, a transfer that was probably expected. I, I think that yeah. there was lots of interest in him. Decent fee. And Anis Slamani also moving to the English Championship. A couple of uh, transfers to, to England. Do you think they're going to be a success in the in, in the championship? I think uh, Hamilton. He will obviously he will play. I think he, he's he's been brought into Leicester to play, uh, and also I've seen him. You know, obviously a lot, um, and I think that he will he will long term have uh, success. Uh, Anis uh, Slavana. I think it's a. Um, it's a it's a tricky case because he has the uh, the size of being a good fit for, for English football. Um, he has uh, the technique. He's skilled enough, you know, to, to work uh, both ways, both uh, defensively and off offensively. Uh, he's strong. He has a good size, but can he adapt to this to the pace of the game uh, at Sheffield United and also you know in general in England? Um, it's not that I'm concerned, but I'm also. Uh, I think it's the realistic uh, thing. In the future for him will be that he will be slowly adjusted, uh, or try to adjust to the to the pace of the game, and maybe I don't know, uh, loaned out uh, sh- short terms. Uh, but it's not that I see him as a key player for Sheffield United from the beginning. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I I, I feel like. He, he didn't necessarily improve his value last season. I, I, oh, I, feel, yeah, I, I feel like had he been sold the summer before, he might have got a, a slightly better fee. But I, I, I still think those two transfers together uh, represent a, a decent amount of money for for Bromby to play with in the in the market. They've obviously moved for Jakob Rasmussen for, for I think around three million euros, which is again quite a big signing for a Superliga team. He uh, was at Fiorentina on loan at Feyenoord last season. Uh, he's moved back to Denmark, and that's uh, that's quite a significant signing, I would say. A 26-year-old Dane uh, who, who's played in Serie A, played in the Eredivisie. Uh, are, are you excited about his addition to the defence? He uh, he's a good uh, adding for the squad. A left-footed uh, defender, also fitting in in what turned out to be uh, Jesper Sørensen's choice of playing free in the back. And he started out with you know like a regular. Uh, four-man defense. Uh, he switched uh, halfway through uh, the qualifi- uh, the championship playoff, um, and it's also clearly uh, I'm expecting him to play uh, free in the back as well. Um, they loaned out, uh, uh, no, uh, brought in uh, Falk Wind on loan uh, in the winter, left-footed defender, and Jakob Rasmussen is basically replacing Falk Wind as the left-footed defender. And as soon as uh, Rasmussen is in shape. I also see him as the cornerstone uh, at the left side of the three-man defense. Um, yeah, without no no doubt. Okay. And another guy who came in was uh, Justin Che. 
yeah, uh, yeah from... I don't expect anything from him. Uh, I assume <laughs> he's been brought in uh, due to his uh, American uh, relations. Um, I don't. I, it's not to be unfair of him. Uh, I saw him play Monday, and uh, yeah, he, he did make a terrible uh, mistake. Uh, basically, uh, offering uh, the opponent's uh, goal, but. From the look of him playing, it's a long-term uh, investment, to put it in, the, in, a, in a not too harsh way. Um, and I don't expect him playing any regular minutes, being anything uh, near uh, the starting eleven. This uh, at least this autumn. When you look at how Bromby did last season, they conceded fifty-two goals, which was uh, by far and away the most in the the Championship group, um, and. Uh, actually wouldn't have been out of place in, in the relegation group. So you can see why they've moved to, to bring in Rasmussen uh, to, to help support that. Obviously, a goalkeeper is an absolutely fundamental signing. But at the other end of the pitch, I know a player that people are very excited about maybe addressing the goal difference uh, at the uh, in the attacking end is uh, Chris Garden. He uh, f- finished really strong in the championship group games last season. Do you see him uh, taking a, a further leap next season and, and becoming, you know, in contention for the Golden Boot, perhaps? I think at least he's going to be uh, the regular starter from the beginning of the season, alongside with the Ohi Omojamfo up front. Um, in terms of him, Chris Gorn, uh, you know, hitting the goals, um, I think it would be a an unnecessary uh, pressure. To put on on him talking about him uh, getting the golden boot, uh, being top scorer in the league and stuff like that, uh, he has to keep building, adding to his game. Yes, he did uh, end the season strongly, uh, hitting what six goals uh, in the last couple of months, but he still have, has has uh, things to work on, and it would be an unfair pressure to put on on him at this stage uh, of his career right now, even though that he's a good player. Uh, it's not that I'm saying he's not, but at the moment it would be unfair to to also to stati- statistically uh, put this pressure on him in in terms of if you look at the xG. So yeah, but I still see him as a as the starter uh, alongside Omojamfo. He has he has uh, go, got by uh, Simon Hitlon uh, as the main striker uh, alongside Omojamfo. So yeah, he has moved, but not to a top scorer uh, level yet at least not to, to put the pressure on him. Got it. And w- one more player who I'm, I'm fascinated to, to see how he does this season is Hakon Evgen, who obviously came in in, in January. Uh, and he, he had a few games that, that quite impressed me and made me quite excited to watch him next season. Do you think he's going to be uh, a key figure? And do you think that his um, performances are going to, again, step, step up a level? A lot is going to be revealed uh, in terms of what kind of uh, style that Jesper Sørensen uh, is gonna play. Uh, what kind of? Uh, it's not that you know a system is is all, but still, if you play a three-five-two, then you you don't have the same kind of uh, wide forward, uh, wide attacking midfielders going you know in uh, inside, uh, trying to to find these open slots between the lines. Um, that's where Evgen and you know a player like Vallis where they are best. But as at the moment, it looks like uh, Jesper Sørensen want to play this 3-5-2, and that's quite a limitation uh, in terms of how, how many and where the offensive players uh, can position themselves. So I think a lot is going to get down to how, what kind of style uh, do Jesper Sørensen want to play with his front side. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. So... Final question on Bromby. What's your expectation for the season, perhaps? You know, how high can this team get up the table and, and what's the potential downside? They have a huge potential. Uh, I'd say it's one of the best uh, squads uh, Bromby trainer, uh, Bromby coach has got for the, for the last couple of years. Um, but it also, it, it's a squad that also has uh, some some a hole or two um obviously right now uh, the goalkeeper <laughs> it's uh, it's obviously 
Um, but also the lack of a true number six who can play the ball. Right now you are being left with uh, Josip Odosovic, who is a great uh, player against the ball, recovering the ball, but he's a terrible uh, playmaker in the back, a terrible short passer. And then you have Joe Bell, who's a great passer, but a terrible defender, it's, uh, it has shown. Um, and you have to get rid of... One big problem is that they have way too many players in the first team squad uh, and way too many players um, too far away from game time. It's a, it's a funny size uh, me to predict. For me, it can be anything between, not that I expect, you know, uh, them winning the league, but, you know, the potential can be anything from, you know, the top to the, not pure bottom, but, you know, going down, but to imploding and not getting things to work uh finishing uh, below the top six so it's a it's a really really um tough one to predict i agree of of all the teams there's probably the most delta in brumby right <laughs> um yeah. and i ended up uh predicting sixth and like you say I w- it wouldn't surprise me at all if that became third uh, it also wouldn't surprise me if it became seventh or or even eighth no. I, I think a lot depends on finding the right players um, yeah, and, and as I said, for me, looking uh, at the team, a lot has to do with uh, the coach and the style of play. Because this spring, um, we've seen him, Jesper Sørensen, going from 4-3-3 with possession, uh, keeping the ball in own, uh, you know, uh, passing lanes, to a team that basically went below 35% uh, possession, in a couple of games, uh, reaching below uh, 200 successful passes. So it's it's so tough to predict because what do he want to play and how well can they can they perform it? So it's it's as you say, it can be anything from. We have this saying in Danish. It's a terrible translation, but in Danish you'd say it's a bird or it's a, is it a fish? Basically, you know, like <laughs> does it live in the water or does it fly? And I have honestly no idea whether one is gonna swim or fly. We will find out in due course. The final team from last season's top six was Ranners. Just looking at how they're positioned for next season, lost a couple of key names already in Lasse Berg-Jonsson, who's one of several players to move over to, to Malmo in Sweden, but also Tosin Kehinde, gone off to Ferenc Faros, uh, Jakob Ankersen has left for Horsens. I had a look at the, some of the players coming in and really the only one who's, whose name I'd even heard of was uh, Wessel Dammers, a centre-back from uh, from the Netherlands. And they're a team who didn't score many goals last season, only 40 goals, uh, which was by far the lowest in the championship group, uh, conceded quite a few, 47. Uh, and so I think they, they sort of found themselves in the championship group, but their record says it all. They, they finished with only 10 wins on the season. Quite a few people are down on their prospects next season. I'm not as down as others, but that uh, they don't fill me with masses of confidence, shall we say. Uh, how, how about you? I see them somewhere around uh, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth spot, maybe. Um, depends um, how they can create and convert uh, the chances. Uh, it's a team that played a lot of, uh, got a lot uh, upside last season uh, from a if you if you look at the expected goals difference, you know uh, we've discussed this earlier. If you, mm-hmm. if you have this mind, uh, if you have in mind this uh, this line, the the zero line, if you perform uh, below, you lose more games um, in the longer terms than you win. And if you can keep the expected goals difference uh, on a plus level, you will, uh, depending on how good uh, how solid a plus it is, you will win more in time uh, than you'll lose. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ranas, they performed very closely around zero, but they won, you know, a lot of the games that they, you know, when I'm saying they wasn't supposed to win them, it's not that I'm saying it's unfair. It's not that I'm saying they they didn't perform well, but, you know, they just got this touch of uh, luck that went, you know, that that put the games their way uh, instead of losing them. I think that Ranas will... They will experience uh, more uh, losses this season um, and maybe got a little bit down to, well, I say uh, earth, but zero line again. 
and that's why I have them like this a solid middle team, uh, maybe going uh, a little below average in the league, uh, but they will some way be around, yeah, seventh to eighth maybe. Yeah, I I've got them eighth, and I think what was what was interesting is last season, as you said, thirty nine xg scored forty goals, which is I guess why they're they're near the zero line. But uh, what was perhaps uh, less encouraging was the fact that. You know, they were ninth out of 12 teams in terms of uh, shots on target per match. Uh, they created very few big chances. I think they were 11th out of 12 for that. Only 34 big chances created. And uh, and so there's big pressure on the strikers to convert when they finally do get chances. I think they've got decent strikers. You know, St- Stephen Odie, decent. Marvin Ego, decent. But whether that's going to be enough, uh, given what they create to to power them to uh, to anywhere approaching the championship group, I'm not convinced. No, uh, neither am I. I see, at least I see six other teams uh, than runners as favourites to reach the top six before. The other statistic that caught my eye was that only one team conceded more XG over the season, which was uh, Odense. And so if it wasn't for the heroics of uh, Patrick Carlgren, who... Yeah with I think it was 11 clean sheets or, or Randers had 11 clean sheets anyway th- that could have been a lot worse so they're not coming in with a, an, an exceptional record for next season and uh, yeah it's going to be going to be interesting to see how that one pans out I think we'll just take a, a very quick break there uh, before we go into last season's bottom six and, and see how they'll fare so go grab a cup of tea or a coffee or a Danish drink of your choice a faxi condi maybe and uh, we'll we'll take a we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back after this. Welcome back to part two. And uh, kicking off in the second part of the season preview, we're going to look at the teams that finished in the relegation group last season, starting with FC Midtjylland, who find themselves with a place in Europe by virtue of that European playoff, and. They're a team that has done an enormous amount of business this summer. In has come Ingerson, um, an Icelandic centre-back, who I, I'm presuming is the long-awaited replacement for Eric Sviatchenko, who obviously departed for the MLS. Uh, Ivor Fossum from Alborg. Gui Sung Cho from a team in South Korea. And he's a player who people are really, really excited about. I think he's been banging in goals over there. And he is tipped to be the... Uh, one of the contenders for the Golden Boot based on how he's performed uh, in the Far East. So he's an interesting one. And then Christopher Olsen, that move was made permanent. So a lot of names in. In terms of outgoings, Emam Ashur has gone to Al-Ali and that's a very strange transfer. (laughs) He arrived in January, didn't really play that much and then they've managed to sell him for close to 3 million euros. So that's a pretty good bit of business. Still work to be done at FC Michelin and lots of people I've seen have put them in their kind of top three predictions for next season and at the moment I just don't see it I think that if you look at how they started at the beginning of last season with a spine of Sviatchenko, Evander, Anders Dreyer and you look at the performances of Gustav Isaksen who of course is uh, rumoured to be going I just I'm not sure if they're near the level of the team last season and the team last season obviously didn't perform that amazingly so I'd be very curious to to get your take on whether you see them reaching the medal positions what you think of the the business they've done uh, and how you fancy their their prospects this season I think they have they have the potential reaching um, the top three but there's also a lot of uh, questions uh, needed to be answered uh, they have a huge size of uh, squad right now. Uh, they have Isaksen still uh, in the squad, uh, though that everybody is uh, expecting him to, to leave for a foreign club. They have uh, these strange players uh, running around just being there. Uh, Kabar, Pionisisto, Marani. I don't think that Kabar and Sisto has a future. Uh, either of them has uh, a future in, in FC Midtjylland. Uh, maybe uh, the Brazilian forward uh, Maroni but leaving them aside they have a solid midfield uh, they have Martinez and Olsen running running business uh, in, the, in the central piece of the mid- midfield they have Gigovic um, as also a, a prolific player 
Uh, it surprised me a little bit that they brought in uh, Ivar Fossum. That seemed just opportunistic to me. He was on a free transfer. They've seen what he can do in the league. He's not an ex- not a particularly exciting addition, but I-, I think that I can I can sort of understand the logic in terms of just adding bodies that yeah, and are reasonably known. If they can get him to perform at the level he did, uh, not this season, but last season in Albo, it's kind of, you know, like in, in the NBA in basket, uh, where you have these role players uh, who's, who's going to support the, the, the star players, you know, the LeBrons uh, in the squad. I see uh, Fossum as this kind of role player uh, supporting the main cast in the FC Midtjylland squad. They have a pretty solid core in the team. They have Lussel and Goal, a great, great goalkeeper. They still got some some solid pieces in the defense. Um, for me, the big thing is, do they have this uh, offensive creator? Last season, they they got a lot uh, from Isaksen, who performed at an extremely high level. But losing him, or if they lose him, who's go- who's going to create for them? They had a lot of good passes in midfield. They have a good, solid uh, defensive midfielders, Martinez. But who's the, the you know the the chance? Uh, who's the creator of the chances? Who's going to make all the expected assist uh, passes? Uh, that's for me the the greatest concern right now. But they still have time to uh, look into that issue. And then there's this whole striker thing, you know, with the Gu Song Cho. I think it's pronounced. What kind of level is he performing at? Uh, obviously, he has some great uh, data uh, with him uh, from South Korea. You know, but I have honestly no idea what Korean football is like. So, how well is is he going to to play in, in Danish football? Uh, you know, you, you know, we always say in, in England, uh, how well do you perform uh, play in a, on a Sunday night in in Stoke, right? Or no, on yeah. a Tuesday night in Stoke, right? Yeah. How well is he going to play in a, in a Monday night in Vidor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the that's the great unknown, and I, that, that's part of the reason why I love the Superliga so much. Is because every year, most of the signings that arrive at most of the clubs, I haven't necessarily seen play. You know, I don't watch the South Korean league. I don't watch the Dutch league, for example. So, you know, when players come in from here, it's uh, it's new for me. So, I, I quite like that. Just to go back to your question on who's going to provide the the sort of attacking impetus and the the assists. I think based on the the final third of the season, I think Aral Simsir could be oh yeah could, could, could be an interesting option. You know, he came up with I think it was seven assists over the season. Showed a real good eye for goal from distance, and I think that you know replacing what Dreyer and uh, Isaacson ha- ha- have given Mitchell in last season is not going to be easy. But I think that he could be uh, a big part of that. Yeah, agree. So the next thing we're going to look at is Odense, who finished last season in eighth. Again, quite a lot of business. Obviously, the most notable of those happened very early in the window. Yankuba Minte going to Newcastle uh, and then immediately out on loan to Feyenoord. But €8 million, Euros, I was very impressed with the, the fee they managed to get for him after less than a season of, uh, of top flight football. Uh, but also, maybe perhaps slightly under the radar, Jakob Broim, a, a player who two seasons ago, I think there was a lot of excitement about it his star kind of waned a bit last season he's gone to the Eredivisie to go ahead Eagles which I always think is one of the coolest names in football uh, and Mads uh, Frokaya Jensen went to Preston uh, in the English Championship who seemed to be snapping up lots of talent from the Danish league so lots of outs some interesting ins actually uh, Rami Alhaj a Swedish player uh, arrived from Herenveen and as I just said I don't watch the Dutch league but this guy has uh some interesting YouTube uh, highlights. Look, looks very sort of uh, technical and tricky, but I know the fans are very excited about him. And also uh, Mohamed Boya Toure, who I believe has been a top scorer in Sweden before. So can he provide some of the goals that they lost when uh, Jabali departed? Uh, and obviously with Minte now gone, I don't know. So I'm feeling like Obi could be a, a big unknown next season. Again, like we were saying with, with Ranners, probably there's quite a big scope for, for where they can finish. Obi, if you, uh, if you can compare them to anything, is uh, basically uh, me uh, at 15 years old playing championship manager, uh, <laughs> signing a lot of players on free transfers, uh, selling a lot of players as well. Um, it's not that I'm saying it's a bad thing and you can pick up uh, good stuff, good assets in um, on a free transfer, but 
it is a little bit confusing right now. Uh, it's it's not a criticism of OB. It's just that I need to see them play at a longer term before it's it's possible to say something about potential. They've got so many unknown assets in this season, uh, this off season. So for me, it's like you know, as you mentioned, they have uh, lost a lot of players, both to outgoing transfers, contracts running out, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but they also brought in this bunch of new players. There's so many players coming in that there's invariably got to be a couple of hits in there. And so I've projected them at seventh for next season. So topping the relegation group, which I, I don't know if they'd take that at this point, uh, you know, a, a chance to, to play for a European place probably wouldn't take it before the start of the season. But that's where I see them panning out. I think they look, a, a, at least on paper, a stronger proposition than some of the other teams uh, at that end of the yeah. table. The team who finished below them last season, Silkeborg. Now, this is a team who I've got some concerns about next season. They've obviously lost Sebastian Jorgensen, finally. The final player from that that front three that won the bronze medal, obviously with Hellenius and Valleys. He's uh, another player who's gone off to Malmo. And looking at their front three now, and you know, to go from Valleys, Hellenius, Jorgensen a um, couple of seasons ago to Kusk, Tony Adamson and Soren Tengstedt. I mean, there's still goals in that front three. On their day, They all three of them are exciting players, but uh, th- that doesn't strike me as a team that's going to be threatening the top half of the table this season. No, short, short term, they can be a little uh, challenged, uh, but long term, they've done, uh, I think they've done pretty good uh, and solid businesses. Um, they brought in this very talented uh, midfielder like Carlsen from Vidal, uh, great uh, piece of business, uh, bringing him in. They uh, brought in Callum McCoward from Helsingør, who I was told uh, by, player, uh, by uh, people, uh, doing businesses in this league that if Callum McCoward was two years uh, younger, he wa- he wouldn't be able to be, uh, he wouldn't be able to, to Silkeborg to, to bring him in uh, because he's that good. Uh, Andreas Pünt, one of the best players uh, last year in the first division. So they've done a lot of good businesses, but it's all a matter of how long uh, time do the incomings need to adjust to the pace and to the schemes in uh, Silkeborg. Good, good businesses, and very typical Silkeborg businesses, I'd say. It, it reminds me a lot of, uh, for example, the, the Nikolai Valley's transfer, where they bring him in from, uh, I think it's uh, Roskilde, I think it is, they bring him in from. So good businesses, but it's a long-term business. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Silkeborg uh, finish, uh, you know, just above the relegation line or thereabout. Yeah, I, th- that's exactly where I have them as well. Uh, I think I put them in in tenth place, so actually just narrowly avoiding relegation. I think uh, uh, th- that tactic of signing, you know, the top players from the first division is not one that is new to them. Uh, obviously, Tony Adamson was yeah, great on f- business on fire for for, for Helsingor, and you know he, he he's taken last season to to get up to speed a bit, and obviously Hellenius was ahead of him in the pecking order. I still have faith that he's going to be uh, a player who can score double figure goals for them um but yeah it's a it's it's a tricky time for them with that with that front three gone obviously still got mark brink who i know is really important to the system he really makes them tick uh and you know they're not going to have europe this season uh, so they can be a bit more focused so you never know they could start to recapture some of the form from the the, the previous season but a lot does depend on as you said, can Carlson and Macau really step up because they're going to need them to. Tenth place last season was the the subject of what is being called the great escape, given the the position they found themselves in in winter and and the fact that Lungby are still a Superliga team uh, is testament to the amount of fight they shown um, at the the back end of last season. I, I was quite impressed that they uh, they brought in Magnus Jensen from from AC Horsens, a, a sort of cult player, big presence, one of the few sort of players who can play centre back or centre forward, uh, mm-hmm. which is always something I love. I don't see Lungby sort of kicking on and and going much further up the table next season, but I do think that they could they could avoid relegation again if they sort of take what they were doing at the the back end of last season and and sort of harness it for a longer period of time. If you assess, you know, the transfers um, in and out this offseason for Lundby, 
it's it's uh, it shows uh, it tells us a lot about what they maybe is going also still expecting uh, internally in Lumbu. It's the same position as this season, or if you more correctly say last season, it's a position around uh, one of the relegation spots or maybe the tenth spot right now. They have only added, as you mentioned, Manuel Jensen. Uh, they keep the same the same core of players at the moment, um, and it it is still a thin squad. Um, it's also a squad that might be losing uh, Lucas Hay. Uh, he's rumored uh, to either uh, both the Midtjylland and uh, Norseland, and also AGF has been mentioned. Uh, so I I see Lumbu as you know with the same struggles. Uh, Last season, maybe not conceding as many goals, but still, you know, lacking, creating them, converting them. Yeah, and a team expected to be around 10th, 11th, 12th uh, in the league. Yeah, and l- last season, Lungby were the, the, the second lowest team in terms of XG, but underperformed even that and, and only ended up scoring 30 goals last season in 32 games, so less than a goal a yeah. game which is something they're really going to need to address. Obviously, Finn Bogerson was injured for a lot of last season and he's back. Yeah, Magnus Jensen is going to chip in with some goals. But yeah, they need to, they need to find a way to, <laughs> to at least be averaging more than a goal a game or they've got almost no chance. Yeah, agree. The next two teams or the final two teams are the two promoted teams. And I've got to confess, I don't watch a lot of first division football in Denmark. I'm going to try and address that when I go to Denmark next month and I'm going to try and see a first division game. But Vila, obviously a team we know from uh, a couple of seasons ago in the in the Superliga. Tell me a bit about them. I've put the two promoted teams in my predicted league table as the two relegated teams, which I know never happens, uh, but I just don't know enough about them. And I think Vila fans are a bit upset about that. I think they, they see themselves as a team who have aspirations next season of, of staying in the league. Yeah. Vila was a very defensive, solid team. Uh, they have a lot of uh, foreign players. They kept Raul Albentosa as the leader in defense. They have quality in midfield. Um, Isa Tulahi is still there. He's a national team player from Iran, I, as I remember. They have uh, the Greek player Emanulidis, I think it's pronounced. Um, and basically it's a team that were uh, yeah, dominant in the, in the first division in Denmark. Um, it will be interesting to see how well they can create chances going up um, in the Super League. But I also see them as a team, um, yeah, be positioned around uh, the bottom of the league. Uh, it's a, it's a kind of a, what do you say, a, a moneyball uh, team. Uh, it's a team where they have a lot of uh, foreigners uh, going in. Um, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting, but I see them in the bottom of the league. Yep. Yeah, me too. And uh, uh, an interesting addition they've made actually is uh, Musa Jawara, who was, I believe, at Odense last season, but but didn't play much. But he's a player who is only 21 years of age, come from uh, Bologna, so uh, good pedigree. And I think that they're going to need as much quality as possible for next season if they're going to stand a, a hope. And yeah, Albentoz is a player who... I loved watching him when I think he joined in the January window, the season they got relegated, but he was, you know, blood and thunder, last minute goals, real sort of leader on and off the pitch. And and one of those players who's just exciting to watch, which for a centre back is, uh, is definitely not always the case. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having him back and having Viola back and, uh, and, and seeing that amazing stadium uh, more often on our screens. Yeah. The, the, the final team is uh, Vior, who I spent last season trying to pronounce in the expectation <laughs> they were going to get pronounce, uh, they were going to get promoted. Probably the most famous name there is the manager Per Franson. Uh, oh yeah, who, oh, they used to play in Bolton. Yeah, exactly. So p- people this side of the North Sea will, will know him. Uh, they haven't done a lot of business. Obviously, we talked about Frederick Carlson moving to Silkeborg. That's a big blow for them. Can we expect anything from from these guys? How do you compare them to Vila, for example? Because I've just got no idea. It's it's a solid uh, first division team. It's a, it's a, the huge blow for them was losing both by Carlsen and also Andreas Pünt, uh, who they loaned from uh, Bonnbu, and then his contract ran out and he uh, signed with Silkeborg. Um, it's an experienced team. It's a part time uh, football pro footballers 
uh, I don't think, as I remember, they have any full-time players. <laughs> it's 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 so uh, I'm running crazy. To, yeah, to 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 mention, it's it's a club structured uh, a lot around uh, the players working part times, uh, part time jobs for the sponsorships uh, for the sponsorship groups, uh, kinda, like you know, related to Vidal. So a lot of the sponsors in Vidal they have hired in the players working for them. Uh, you have a carpenter, uh, you have a uh, real estate agent, you have a uh, const- like a building constructor uh, as a as a club captain. Um, it's, I don't know. If, I don't know if you're joking with me. I've no, never no, heard. I've, I've never heard. I've never heard this before. Yeah, we've got a team in the Superliga who's part time. I'm deadly serious right now. Uh, it's. I think it's like well, one of the only part-time clubs in first division beside maybe one or two in the bottom uh, but they it's it's an experienced group of players they have uh, Stenorp who used to play in both Brøndby and Esbjerg they have um, Matti Lund Nielsen who played in uh, in both uh, I think it was Norway and he played in Italy they have Martin Spellman who played in Brøndby and he also played in Horsens for a lot of years uh, they have Matthias Gert long time uh, Pro in the first division, uh, uh, profile for Nykøbing latest, I think it was. Um, they have uh, Christian Greco Jakobsen, who is actually right now working part-time carpenter, uh, as I mentioned. Um, they have a solid group of players. It's not that they have bad players. I'm curious to see how well can they adjust to a pro football uh, full-time life where they each week are going to play against, you know, like top sides, uh, only focusing on football. Uh, can they use, like, you know, have a break from football uh, when they work, uh, their real jobs? Or in the long term, are they going to be tired and exhausted doing this? I don't see Vido right now as anything else than uh, the bottom of the league. But obviously, sometimes uh, picks, picks can fly. And uh, maybe uh, Vido is the one who's going to fly and, and get away. But at the moment, no, I don't see them anything else than being 11th or 12th in the league. Wow, that's, that's blown my mind. I've also uh, made a mental note to write a tweet and put it in the drafts about when uh, Carpenter hits the woodwork. <laughs> yeah, and maybe he can repair it if he breaks it. <laughs> that, that's that's amazing. I mean, what what a story if they're if they're able to uh, to to stay in the league. I mean, uh, just crazy. That's that's brilliant. I, I love that story. Cool. So uh, I mean, we've gone through one to twelve. We've talked about how we how we see the lay of the land uh, and where we where we see teams finishing. I just wanted to get a couple of predictions from you before we go. Firstly, if you had to put your cards on the table now, who do you see being Golden Boot winner for next season? Oh. Um, Patrick Mortensen is a solid uh, is a solid player uh, up there. Uh, it depends on you know how many uh, penalties uh, do I get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, to be to be serious, he is a good, he is a he's a solid uh, name putting in there. Um, Isaacson obviously uh, is a is a is a solid name, um, but he's I guess he's not going to play all season. And then also uh, Ohi Omojam from Brøndby. Uh, he's been uh, like a traveler, uh, traveling uh, striker for uh, all his career, traveling, selling goals. Um, he's produced uh, 0.5 XG and produced 0.5 goals basically 10 years in a row in his uh, senior uh, football life. So he's also a very solid uh, name. To, in the group of, of players being capable of, of going up there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for me, it's between Ohi, just because of just how clinical he was last season and how uh, how able he was to to always seem to find space in the box. The other name that I'm going to throw out there is Ingvartsen. I just think that, like you said, FC Norgeland create quite a lot for that position. I think he's going to be a nailed on starter for the season and I can see him troubling opposition goalkeepers uh, a fair bit next season. So those are my two. One final question for you is apart from Bromby, which I'm going to take as a, a given, which team are you most sort of excited about watching or most intrigued to see how they do this season? Who, who's sort of, uh, who are you going to be tuning into outside of your team? 
a lot of uh, of teams actually because you know Vido, the part timers uh, how how well are they gonna perform? It's also interesting to see AGF if they can continue uh, their travel from last season uh, building on. Um, how well are Midland going to to play from the beginning now where they have uh, got these these new players? Uh, this South Korean forward, I'm very interesting to see what, what kind of fit is he. Yeah, so, but if I have to pick one, you know, I gotta say Vidor because, you know, part-timers, the last time we had part-timers in the league was, I think, six or seven years ago with Hobro. And then we also had uh, B93 uh, from Easter, from uh, Österbro, uh, like t- 25 years ago or something like that. So it, it will be interesting to see how well they can cope with uh, the full-timers in the league. Brilliant. Casper, thank you so much for joining me for that. Uh, I'm really excited about new season starting tomorrow with FC Michelin against Vior. We're going to get a first look at the newly promoted side then. So hopefully at least I'll have a bit more of a clue of what to expect from their their play style. That's all we've got time for on this Danish Dynamite season preview episode. I'll be back in a few weeks to recap the first few rounds of action with uh, another couple of guests. But in the meantime, if you want to check out everything in the written format, come on over to footballindenmark.com where I've posted a couple of new articles recently. Uh, If you haven't been on the site for a while, uh, come back and and have a read. And you can find me on Twitter at footballindk. Thanks for listening. And thank you again, Casper, for your time. No problem.